0: You're listening to Life, the Universe, and Everything Else. Today on the show, the return of the Quiz Show Show! Life, the Universe, and Everything Else explores the intersection of science and society. If you have questions or comments about the show, or you'd like to suggest a topic, you can find us on Twitter or Facebook. Or send us an email at L-U-E-E podcast at winnipegskeptics.com. Show notes and references can be found at Lueepodcast.com. We are going to do a revisit of our favorite format of testing each other's knowledge on various weird subjects that we have no business knowing very much about. We also have a special guest. So my name is Ashlyn Noble, and I'll be your host today. Today we have Jem Newman. Hello. Laura Creek Newman. Hi there. Lauren Bailey. Hello. And Dave Bonwick. Hello. He's just here to answer questions. He didn't bother to make his own quiz. Unlike Jem, I don't have a lot of preamble to these uh, episodes, so we're going to kick things off with Jem's uh, quiz, which is full of preamble. <laughs> <laughs> beginnings and endings.
1: So uh, this is a quiz about the beginning <laughs> of the world and the end of the world. We're going to start with beginnings.
2: Let's start
3: at the Very good place
4: to start.
1: Religious historians Mercia, Eliad, and Charles Long devised a system of classification that sorts creation myths into five basic types. Which of the following is not one of those types? A. The Divine Sower B. The Earth Diver C. The Splitting and Ordering of a Unity or D, creation by dismemberment. Ooh. I have randomly selected who will go first, and it is Ashlyn.
0: Oh, okay, I'm excited. Um, I can picture a creation myth that fits each of those categories except for Earth Diver. So I choose Earth Diver to be the one that is not one of the categories.
1: And okay, we're going to go to Dave. I will also go with Earth Diver. Laura? Uh,
3: I'm going to go with the last one that you said
1: creation by dismemberment. Yes. And Lauren? I've heard of all of these. This is why I had to pick two very specific historians of religion.
2: <laughs> I could name a creation myth for each of these. Okay, we'll go with C. We'll split the pot. I feel like C
0: and D are almost too similar because the one is splitting and the other is dismemberment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Nobody gets but, a point because no. the answer was a, the divine sower.
3: Really? What? I was huh. wondering about that one, but then I'm like, but then, like, that kind of sounds like the Christianity myth. Like, out of nothing, there was something. I don't know.
1: <laughs> the divine sower, that is the one that I, that I made up, made up in, in air quotes. The Christian myth uh, could be classified in one of two different ways, which I'll get into in a second. But first, Eliad and Long's five basic types of creation myth are creation ex nihilo, so creation from mm-hmm. nothing. Earth diver creation. This is a form of creation whereby an animal dives through a primordial ocean to retrieve matter and brings it back up to form landmass mm-hmm. that will become the world. Emergence of the present world through a series of metamorphoses. Creation of the world by dismemberment of a primordial being. You see this especially in uh, Germanic myths. And finally, creation by the splitting or ordering of a primordial unity. Which category would the Old Testament creation myth fall into, do you folks think? Because I have my opinion. I didn't just look this up.
0: But yeah, like it's almost a splitting because like first there mm-hmm. was the earth and then there was land and water and then there was light out of darkness. Yeah, splitting and ordering.
1: Yeah, that's correct. It's, or that, that's my interpretation as well.
4: Um, <laughs> <laughs> which obviously
1: means it's correct. While some modern religious philosophers especially try to argue that we have creation ex nihilo mm-hmm. in uh, Genesis... It actually does seem to be that last category in which God creates order from chaos, and I'll quote here from Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So we don't actually have uh, a nothingness. We have a primordial chaos.
0: Yeah, but theoretically, he created that out of nothing. He created the heaven and the earth, not there was a heaven and earth, and then God came along. <laughs>
3: right, yep. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, so it's sort of the ordering, but then later on, it's once you get into the creation of living beings, it's a, more of a dismemberment thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I guess that's true. I hadn't considered creation of humans uh, mm-hmm. by, by dismemberment, but yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> well, creation, half of the species, anyway. Adam's bloody rib. <laughs> so no points on that round. Let's go to question two. Which of the following stories is part of the Sumerian creation myth? A. On key and the desert, B, the burrowing of deep roots, C, the cairn of Enlil, or D, the debate between sheep and grain. We're going to start with Dave. This is which one is part of this myth? Uh, which of the following stories is part of the creation myth? Okay, yeah. the last one. Okay, so Dave goes with D, the debate between sheep and grain. Laura, I'm going to go with deep roots. Lauren, C for me. The cairn of Enlil. Okay. Ashland.
0: I also like the deep roots one, but these are all just to guess. How are we supposed to know? There's nothing to go on here. Yeah, so, um,
1: some of these are just guessing games, right?
0: I don't think anybody's gone with A, so I'm going to go with A. <laughs> so do we have an even split
3: yeah. then? Yep. Nice.
1: We do, and Dave takes it.
3: <laughs> nice. It that, that would have been my next choice. The sheep and grain. That's awesome. <laughs>
1: uh, for what it's worth, the sheep and the grain aren't the ones doing the debating. Uh, <laughs> Aw. <laughs> oh. But uh, the, the story concerns an argument between Lehar, the goddess of livestock, and Ashnan, the goddess of grain. I made up the other ones, though, of course, An, Ki, and Enlil are all real Sumerian deities. Mm-hmm. Uh, real in the sense that, well, they really exist because the ancient Sumerian religion turned out to be the right one.
2: Sorry, <laughs> <sort of history. laughs>
1: So that's uh, one point for Dave. So Dave is in the lead. <laughs> Woo, damn it. <laughs> Question three The primal couple. Rangi, the sky father, and Papa, the earth mother, figure prominently in the creation myth of which people? A. The Maori of New Zealand. B. The Aluts of Kamchatka Krai. C. The Kets of central Siberia. Or D. The Mapuche people of Chile. We're going to start with Laura.
3: I don't know. <laughs> When you read the first one, I'm like, yep, yep, that sounds right. And then you read the next one, I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to go with A because I have no idea.
1: Okay, so Laura goes with the Maori. Lauren. Maori. Ashlyn.
3: I also
2: think A.
1: Dave. The Chilean. And we're all tied up. (laughs) (laughs) It is indeed the Maori of New Zealand.
2: This one I knew. (laughs) Nice.
1: Question four. Which religious tradition holds that the first thing to emerge from the lifeless waters of chaos was a pyramidal mound called the Benben? Was it A, the Baha'i faith? B, Zoroastrianism? C, the Mayan religious tradition? Or D, the ancient Egyptian religions?
2: All of the ones with pyramids.
1: (laughs) We're going to start with Lauren.
2: I know it's not right, but... Okay, let's go to Zoroastrianism. If I could pronounce it right.
1: Hey... Lauren goes with B, Zoroastrianism. Ashlyn?
0: Uh, I'm going to go with the Baha'i faith.
1: Ashlyn goes with A, Dave? I'm going to go with Zoroastrians as well. Okay. And Laura?
3: I'm going to go with Baha'i as well.
1: We're still all tied up at (laughs) one. (laughs) <laughs> As it is Ancient Egypt.
2: Really? Oh, really? I
0: thought
3: that was like it a throwaway. Was, it was
0: super obvious. That's <laughs> no why I way. picked it.
3: It was so obvious that it's like, no, it can't be. Well, I just feel be. like
0: it's we... It's so hard to
4: game gems.
3: <sighs> like games. we learn no, so much about Egyptian gods and stuff that i
0: figured i would have heard that if it was in there <laughs> but
3: you know <laughs> the but, but, ancient ones true like i don't know how ancient this is and also we spend a lot of time learning about their afterlife and not so much about their creation yeah but like yes. i went through a
0: whole egyptology phase oh yeah i was
3: really into it yeah
0: that's how i first realized that i was an atheist oh yeah pretty sure i've told it on the show before but i was thinking about how all of the Egyptians were like so terrified of their gods and what would happen if they did something wrong. And yet nobody's followed that religion for like a thousand years. Nothing bad has happened. And then I was like, huh, I wonder if the same thing is true now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll now move on to question five, which is the final question in beginnings.
0: I feel like you should have had some middles questions. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Let's not make this any longer than it has to be. (laughs) Question five. The traditions of the Kuba people of Central Africa tell that the world was created by the giant Mbombo. According to this story, A. Mbombo crushed a scorpion and used its carapace to fashion the world. B. Mbombo felt a pain in his stomach, then vomited forth the sun, moon, and stars. C. Mbombo dreamed the universe into being as he slept. Or D. Mabambo stumbled and fell, and the imprint left by his body formed all of the hills and valleys of the world. And we're starting with Ashlyn.
0: I would first like to say that you should narrate audiobooks. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, the vomiting one. A,
1: B, pain in his stomach. Then vomiting, Dave. Um, I'm pretty
4: sure I've heard this scorpion carapace thing, although it, it's unlikely to be this one, but I'm going to go with it anyways. <laughs> right. Dave goes with A.
1: Laura.
3: I really like the imprint and the Hills and Valleys. I really like that. But I also really like the dreamed into being. That's so meta. <laughs> I love it. It's great. I don't know if either of them are right. I have no idea. But I'm going to go with the Hills and Valleys. So D.
1: Laura goes with D. And Lauren. Celestial tummy ache. <laughs> Ashlyn and Lauren are correct. Ashlyn Yay. and Lauren are correct.
2: Vomiting. Ah. Yeah.
1: It was the Vomiting. Mabambo felt a pain in his stomach, then vomited forth the celestial bodies. I made up the other ones, uh, although uh, dreaming the universe into being as he slept is actually uh, not an uncommon uh, creation myth, particularly with panentheanism. I was trying to come up with uh, a last option, and the the giant stumbling and like sort of sliding and making the world that way, I thought was uh, was pretty good. So <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. So let's move on to endings, shall we? This is where things get dark. Question one. As reported in both James Randi's The Mask of Nostradamus and Gregory Ash's Encyclopedia of Prophecy, a prediction that an apocalyptic flood would begin in London on the 1st of February 1524 led 20,000 Londoners to flee the city. Who made this prediction? Was it A, a group of English astrologers? B, Pope Clement VII? C, a coalition of herbalists and natural healers? Or d? Michel de nostradam better known today as nostradamus we're going to start with dave i'm going
4: to go with nostradamus
1: laura
2: i'm also going to go with nostradamus lauren my head says nostradamus but my heart says let's go
1: with the pope (laughs) and ashlyn
0: okay so there's the pope nostradamus the astrologers and
1: the last one was the herbalists
0: I want to go with Nostradamus, but it seems too obvious. Nostradamus.
1: (laughs) It was too obvious. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) It was, of course, A, the astrologers. Damn. (laughs) Nostradamus would have been only 21 at the time. And by his own account, he was spending his days studying herbalism. That's uh, where I got the herbalists. Uh, His prophetic quatrains would not be published for another 30 years. As for Pope Clement VII, although he did not predict the apocalypse in 1524, he was a noteworthy figure— Sometimes called the Unfortunate Pope, his papacy saw both the Protestant and Anglican Reformations and one of the many sacks of Rome, (laughs) in this case by the mutinous troops of Holy Roman Emperor Charles V. Holy Roman Empire, of course, being neither holy nor Roman nor an empire. Pope Clement VII was also a fashion icon. Uh, As a sign of mourning during his captivity following the 1527 sack of Rome, he grew a full beard in defiance, actually, of canon law. According to Wikipedia, 24 subsequent popes followed suit, although I did not spend the necessary time to vet this particular factoid, so take it with a grain of salt. Clement also personally approved Copernicus' theory that the Earth revolves around the Sun, just shy of a century after Galileo was tried for heresy for advancing pretty much the same idea. Better late than never, I guess. Question two. What is eschatological verification? Is it A the process of demonstrating that a prophecy has biblical support. B, the idea that religious propositions can be verified after death. C, the contention that verifying one element of a prediction increases the likelihood that the rest of the prophecy is true. Or D, the claim that faith-based propositions are not subject to empirical examination, but can only be evaluated on the basis of their internal consistency. Eschatological Verification We're going to start with Laura.
3: I think I'm going to go with C. That seems like something that people would be apt to do.
1: Okay, so that is the contention that verifying part of a prediction means that the whole thing is more likely. Sure. Lauren. C. Okay. Ashlyn. No, Ashlyn. Yes. (laughs) A. The process of demonstrating that there's biblical support for a prophecy.
0: Yeah. Are you sure it's not like examining intestines to see whether a prophecy...
1: (laughs) (laughs) The That's scatological yes. <laughs> And Dave? Uh, D. Well, good try, everybody. Where is <laughs> me this round.
2: <laughs>
1: it is uh, B, the idea that religious propositions can be verified after death. Specifically, the idea that the existence of an afterlife is, in principle, verifiable. English theologian John Hick presented the parable of a theist and an atheist who are walking the same road. The theist claimed that the road would come to an end and they would arrive at their destination. while the atheist believed that the road was endless. The claim of the theist is verifiable, sort of, because if the road dead ends at John Hick's Celestial City, then the theist will be proven right, while there is no way to demonstrate that the atheist is right. According to Hick, claims of the afterlife are verifiable in principle because they could still be verified once you're dead. And God presumably hits the big button on his desk that opens the trapdoor and drops you right into hell. However, it's important to note that such a claim is only verifiable when it turns out to be true, which makes eschatological verification not particularly useful. Uh, this principle can actually be generalized to many claims that are of interest to skeptics. The, the claim that Bigfoot exists, for example, is in principle verifiable only if it's true, because there's no way to conclusively prove that it is false. Before we move on to question three of endings, uh, we have a total of ten questions, so we're we're nearing the end. We're I just not want doing to take, so well. Uh,
2: <laughs> take stock of
1: the score. I believe Ashlyn and Lauren are in the lead with two points.
4: Silver <laughs> <have a> chance.
3: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's anybody's game.
1: <laughs> Everybody else has one. Okay. Question three: The Book of Revelation, also <laughs> called the Apocalypse of John, <laughs> is the final book of the uh, canonical Christian Bible. As it stands, I'm not going to wiggle. It's the final book of the Bible. It tells that God's right hand holds a scroll that is sealed with seven seals. The breaking of the first four seals summons four creatures riding horses that are white, red, black, and pale in turn. These beings are typically called the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Which of the following is not one of the Four Horsemen? Is it A. War, B. Famine, C. Darkness, or D. Conquest? We're going to start with Lauren.
2: You jerk.
3: It all shall be revealed to us, Ashlyn. <laughs> I've also had that look on my face. No,
2: I, I'm pretty sure I know. Darkness.
1: Lauren goes with C, Darkness. Ashlyn.
0: I also go with Darkness.
1: Dave. Oh, i go with Darkness. I don't like it. <laughs> um, conquest. And Laura.
3: I'm going to go with Darkness. Because Lauren seems certain.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is indeed sea darkness.
3: Yeah, thank you, Lauren! (laughs) I was a little unsure about conquest.
1: I was too. The four horsemen are conquest, war, famine, and death. Mm -hmm. You'll notice that pestilence Mm -hmm. is not among them. While the first horseman is most commonly called pestilence, especially these days, uh, or very occasionally uh, referred to either as Christ or the Antichrist, this interpretation uh, of the first horseman as pestilence doesn't appear until the early 20th century, and there's actually no textual support for it. I am going to quote here from Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering, and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and Hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. So, as you can see, the first horseman is Conquest, And there's no reference at all to pestilence. The only reference to pestilence comes at the very end when talking about death. In which case, death is given the ability to kill with a sword, with hunger, with death, and with the beasts of the earth. Now, hunger is sometimes written as famine, and sometimes we have pestilence added into that list. But there's actually no reference to pestilence nearby or referring to the first horseman. Translations are weird. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm using the KJV just because, you know, it it sounds all nice. But uh, it is obviously not a good translation and should not be used if you care about the accuracy of such things. But (laughs) it's the Bible,
4: you know? <laughs>
1: so, second last question. So, Lauren and Ashlyn are tied for th- for 3 points. Laura is at 2 points and Dave is at 1 point. Mm. It started out so promising. I Dave. know, right? Question 4. According to the Frashokereti doctrine of Zoroastrianism, in the final renovation of the universe, good will prevail over evil and all will be in perfect unity with Ahura Mazda. But first, A. Zarathustra must defeat 3 bears, each the incarnation of one of the 3 mortal sins. B, the living and the resurrected dead must wade through a river of molten metal. C, a heron will taste the flesh of every man to discern the worthy from the damned. Or D, on the path of salvation, the righteous must cross a bridge of knives. Starting with Ashlyn.
0: These are all very messed up. I choose bears.
3: (laughs)
1: Dave. I'm going to go with knives. Okay. D, knives, bridge of knives. Laura. I'm also going Knives. And Lauren. So we're going to go with Bears. Woo, Bears. Well, I'm afraid it was B. The living and the resurrected dead must wade through oh. a river of molten metal. Oh. oh, I thought that one sounded the fakest. Yep. I know. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the rest of them I made up. Although, like, obviously, like, they're flavored with the mythology of all sorts of uh, religious traditions that I've been reading. So let's move on to the final question. Question five. Our sun is classified as a G-type main sequence star. Huxley? But over the course of its life cycle, it will swell to become a red giant, swallowing the planets of the inner solar system as it grows. According to scientific estimates, approximately how long will it be (laughs) until the Earth is swallowed by the sun? Now, these estimates vary, but they're within an order of magnitude of correct.
0: Ten years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is it A, 10 million years? B, 400 million years? C, five billion years or d 70 billion years we're going to start with dave
4: uh five billion years
1: okay dave goes with c five billion laura
3: an option was 40 million
1: 400 million
3: 400 million yeah let's do that one
1: okay b 400 million lauren b b 400 million and ashlyn i would also like b 400 million Dave is correct. It is actually C, about (laughs) 5 billion years. But I wouldn't worry too much about that. I mean, dodging extinction-level supervolcanoes and asteroid impacts for that long would be so statistically unlikely as to be basically impossible. (laughs) And if we uh, do manage it, we uh, only have a few hundred million years until the increasing brightness of the sun as it expands makes life as we know it impossible, far far before (laughs) it actually engulfs the Earth.
0: So we were actually right when we chose C.
1: Uh, that. that is closer to the, the time that uh, that life would be uninhabitable due to the expansion of the of the sun. But honestly, I'd be pretty surprised if we didn't wipe ourselves out in the next couple hundred years. To be honest,
0: our descendants will watch the Earth explode eventually from spaceships and be sad about it.
1: The whole concept of having a generation ship is actually a really interesting one, and one that I wanted to. Uh, I've been toying around with the novel for for quite a while on this theme, but. The idea of designing a fully self-contained balanced ecosystem that also happens to be on a spaceship is an incredibly (laughs) difficult problem Mm -hmm. and uh, an incredibly dangerous proposition because homeostasis is a lot harder when you're uh, on that small of a scale, right? Mm there was actually a fascinating article. I believe it was written, I think it might have been in Boing Boing. I believe it was written by <laughs> Kim Stanley Robinson, which I can link to in the show notes about that, uh, that subject. It's a really great read. And basically his argument is, I write about this sort of thing, but we should not think of that as an escape hatch because it is so difficult as to be basically impossible, <laughs> yeah. uh, especially within the next couple hundred years at our level of technology so uh yeah let's try to keep the earth around <laughs> so dave got one more point so i believe we are uh, ashlyn and lauren at three points and dave and laura at two points
3: Woo. Sweet. Yay!
1: does that comport to people's memories
3: yep sure
1: scattershot keeping track here
2: now lauren has some riddles for us i'm rereading tolkien at the moment And I had really, really, really wanted to make a quiz about the Silmarillion. But I'm pretty sure that only Jem would have anything like a best guess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're better than that.
2: So I thought about The Hobbit, and I decided to ask you all a bunch of riddles. As I was putting this together earlier, I asked Ashlyn and Dave, how should we do this? Like, have everybody write their answers down or whatever? And then I realized that it's probably going to be difficult for everyone to get it on their own. So it's a collaborative answering game.
3: Ooh, that's fun. We have to work together. I'll <laughs> give you a
2: minute to give the answer together. And if you get it, you all win. And if you don't, I do. Okay, cool. Well,
1: this is going to be fun to score. <laughs> well,
2: it's really very simple.
1: Yeah, so we'll we'll all get some equal number of points. Exactly. Yeah. However whole, many you are yeah. correct, we get that. Yeah. Each of us gets that. So Great. Uh, yeah hopefully we can we can beat Lauren.
2: <laughs> All right. I prefer collaborative games. Riddle the first what flies when it's born lies when it's alive and runs when it's dead. one minute. go
1: I think of like like water running when it's yeah. like like when an ice cube is melted or something.
4: yeah rainwater runoff
0: It flies when it's
3: born, so yeah, it's flying through the air.
1: yeah, I feel like it doesn't quite fit though you're See, gonna have the first a lot two of, uh, parts of
3: it. I'm thinking like a seed kind of... or something like that I'm, I'm thinking of like a pollen or something like that flies through the air it lies in the ground like it stays stable but the running part at the end yeah Yeah. because like nothing describes like living water like flowing water Hmm. right
1: is it mascara
3: How does it fly? I don't know. Jim is now blinking at us. <laughs>
1: I'm fluttering my eyelashes seductively. doesn't you, you work. Mind.
2: Great radio there, Newman. <laughs> What's our timer at?
1: We'll say a minute. Oh. <laughs> wind? I a running wind? Yeah, I know. I read it one last time, please. What
2: flies when it's born, lies when it's alive, and runs when it's dead. Wow. Okay, I'm calling it. Okay. It's a snowflake. You guys were so close.
3: Okay. Yeah. Explain ice to me how it runs. Oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you had even
0: said ice cube at one point. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And yeah. I, I started to get there. thinking snow, like when like you guys went to rain, and that like moved me off. I was thinking snow, but then I couldn't put the last part of it together. Nice.
1: Okay. Nice. Okay. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> the
2: second question: A one-seeded fruit, may I be? But your calendars are full of me. Dates. These- <laughs> yeah, we'll go hobbits. dates. <laughs> yeah. You got it, you hobbits. <laughs> a brick weighs ten pounds plus half its own weight. How much does it weigh? One fifteen pounds? As much as a brick? <laughs> yeah, fifteen
3: pounds makes sense, but but that doesn't make sense yeah, because it's bad. because it's cyclical, right? Because if it's ten pounds plus half its own weight
1: like So like this is an algebra problem. It is ten pounds plus Half its own weight, so ten plus it's ten enough. plus x over two equals x. So ten plus x over two equals x. I'm really so glad this half is collaborative x. right now. Five seconds.
0: No, no. Wait, what? No, I'm glad that you're doing the work for us. Keep doing it. Uh, uh,
2: Final answer. X. <laughs> you? We were supposed to get a minute. You did.
1: Fifteen. Twenty. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It's, 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 it's half X equals 10, yeah. but I, I couldn't, like, with the pressure, I couldn't rearrange the, the friggin' algebra. Yeah. It's obviously 20. God damn it.
2: So we're at me, two, and all y'all's one. Number four. What five-letter word stays the same when you take away the first, third, and last letter? What, sorry, what
3: five-letter word stays the same... When you take away the first, third, and
2: last letter, that is correct. I
0: feel like I've heard this one, and I still can't bring it to mind.
2: Thirty seconds. I'm
0: trying to think of two-letter words, Oops. even just like two B. I'm
2: thinking no, but
0: so it has to be <gasps> five letters to start.
2: There's a minute. Final answer. <laughs> no mm. idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> the word is empty. You get rid of yeah. the. I knew it was going to be the something P like that. Why number five? I start off dry, but come out wet. I go in light and come out heavy. What am I? Towel. No. Laundry? (laughs) No. Both good
0: guesses. Start off wet and come out dry?
2: Start off dry and come out wet. Laundry can go in either, you know, wet or dry, depending on your toddlers. (laughs) Jem doesn't like this quiz
1: very much. (laughs) Riddles always seem slightly more arbitrary than everything else in the world.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wet and heavy. What's wet and heavy, guys? Radiation. Water.
1: (laughs) 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 rocks are heavy whether they're wet or dry some rock is fairly porous i guess
0: what about like grapes becoming wine or something some sort of agricultural wet
1: wet dry wordplay
0: because they like they come they like grapes are dry-ish and then they come out liquid and heavy
2: good idea but no and i'm just gonna like oats oatmeal Hmm? i don't know tea bag
1: Mm -hmm. yeah okay we need a key right.
0: in front of us, as usual. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I wouldn't have got it anyway.
0: But I also like the answer of laundry, and I feel we should get a point. <laughs> you
2: can have half a point. What has one head, one foot, and four legs?
1: I feel like this is going to be something like a A
2: table. Something. That yes. could work, but that is not yeah. the answer that I no, had. that's <laughs> a good one, bed. though. A table, yeah. What's that, Dave? And a bed. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. A bed. Nice. Yep.
1: Okay, so that's a point for us. That's a point for you. (laughs)
2: Yay! How many are we at? Are
1: we just at two? Two? Two and a half? Two and a half for
2: you guys. (laughs) What has keys but no locks? Space
1: but no room. And you can enter
2: and escape but not exit. Keyboard. Damn you. Well done. (laughs) Did you say no locks? What has keys but no locks? It has plenty of locks. It has a caps lock. It has a num lock. Mm -hmm. It has a
1: scroll lock Mm -hmm. if it's, you know...
2: This is true. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't look at that part. I did add the escape one to it.
1: Bad riddle. Uh, no, I like that. No, that good. No, no, it's a good riddle. It's a good riddle. You got a point? Mm. Good riddle? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Three and a half out of six ain't bad.
2: <laughs> That's a really bad meatloaf takeover. Yeah. Yeah. What's next? What's next? Number eight. Can you write cow using exactly 13 letters? No. C,
0: C, 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 C. Let's
2: start with
0: a Q, U. gives us two.
3: I don't think it's going to be that complicated.
2: Uh,
1: Holstein isn't that long. Cow. (laughs) Hmm. Ranch.
3: 13-letter words for
0: cow.
1: Stockyard? Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly 13 letters doesn't have an O.
0: We're going with
2: no. (laughs) Well, you can.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was going under the assumption that uh, that exactly 13 letters was the, the... Set of letters that we had to use no. to
2: <laughs> write Cal. S E E O D O U B L E Y O U. C O W. Oh. S E E O D O U B L E Y O U. Blah.
0: Terrible. Terrible. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Number nine. What do you see once in a year, twice in a week, but only twice in forever? E. Are you reading these? No. <laughs> no. 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 I knew that no. One. Yeah, that David one's an easy been, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Number 10. I have five and take away two, yet I am left with four. How? Guess this one in a second, Bonwick. <laughs> <laughs> again. I have five and I take away two, yet I am left with four. How?
1: We're talking about pairs of something?
0: For some reason I'm feeling like how is important here.
2: No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're participating in a Reddit sub-thread. <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> do you think you got it, Ashlyn, or are you... Does it have to do with Roman numerals in some horrible way? Yeah. Oh, You're yeah. so have, close.
0: Can someone else put this into words, because I can't?
1: Start with uh, V,
0: which is five, take,
1: take away two? Two, which is III. typically. Yeah, which gives us four? I don't no, think
3: it's give us No, three. Or okay, us it,
2: three. you've overcomplicated it. You take away the F... And the E off of five, which leaves you with the Roman numeral IV for four. Uh, (laughs)
3: Oh, God. You made a riddle and a pun at the same
2: time? Oh, God. Just for you, Laura. Oh, Lauren. I'm almost done. Oh, I know. (laughs) Number 11. Wait, how many of these are there? (laughs) I know. There are 12. Okay. Okay. Number 11. What word does not belong in the following list? Stop, prop, crop, shop, drop or flop would you like those again yep stop prop crop shop drop or flop are you googling it Ashwin?
0: no i'm just writing them down stop prop crop shop drop
3: flop Hmm.
1: i feel like it would have to be shop just because of the lack of diphthong but i don't that's not i feel
3: a <laughs> i was thinking it was shop partly because the verb doesn't match the type of other verbs i will like- say
2: them again stop prop crop shop drop or flop. Or. Well done. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, to tie this back around to the hey. Hobbit, what do I have in my pockets?
0: <laughs> uh, you have no pockets because you're a lady. <laughs>
2: <laughs> pockets?
1: Ring? Nothing.
2: Ashlyn was right, but the phrasing was a little off. <laughs> S- I am not a lady. Because but you're the, yeah. I'm wearing pants marketed to women and these pockets are useless.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what did we score was anyone keeping score i was trying to for the first part and then i lost track
2: yeah so did i i think you guys got like four and a half <laughs>
1: well the
0: last no, one we did was, we were at three and a half and then we got like three in a row we did awesome and then we won there was- okay
2: so you guys got six and a half because i gave you half a point for something
3: so we won
1: yeah so we got six and a half i feel yeah. like we don't really deserve that half but.
3: no i think it's easier if we don't do half points okay
0: in our weird final accounting <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: So you guys got six points because we're taking away the half point.
3: Yay, 50%. Woo!
1: it better than everybody did on mine. That's Mm -hmm. not, not bad.
0: I'm excited. We are now going to have a mystery quiz from Laura.
3: All right. So my quiz is called you ready? I'm ready. Hippos!
2: <gasps> yay! Uh, yay!
3: <laughs> yeah! So, this is all about hippos. All right, let's just get right into it then. Mine is not deep the way that Gems <laughs> is. It is fun because hippos are awesome. That is why. All right, question number one Which is not a correct name for a group of hippos? A pod? A herd? A drove? Or a bloat? We're going to start with Lauren. A bloat. Okay. Dave?
4: I'm going to go with a herd.
3: Okay. Ashlyn? Pod. Okay. And Jem?
1: I'm also going to go with pod.
3: I win! (laughs) It was C, a drove. Drove. Really? Yep. Pod, herd, and bloat are very common terms for groups of hippos. A bloat. A bloat. It makes sense when you think of the shape of a hippo, you know, but now you know all right okay second question hippos or river horses as the greeks (laughs) called them are most closely related to which mammals a rhinoceroses b cattle and oxen c horses donkeys and zebras or d whales and dolphins i'm gonna start with dave i'm
4: gonna go with whales and dolphins
3: Kate, okay. ashlyn
0: i wonder if you were just trying to throw us off with the
2: horse thing <laughs> <laughs> well that's where they get their name
0: yeah but oh like rhinoceros makes the most sense body shape wise
1: manatees i don't know
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm gonna go with horses even though i think it was a decoy
2: Kate, okay.
1: jem thinking about like mouth shape whales and dolphins does not seem correct to me like looking at
0: but they're called a pod in a group <laughs> or a bloat yeah. though
1: <laughs> i mean look looking at historical cetacean ancestors
3: <laughs> <laughs> or not or you could just guess
1: <laughs> but
3: light light quiz gem light quiz
1: <laughs> god uh, i know i'm i'm gonna stick with ashlyn again We go with horses
3: Horses. Kate?
1: Yeah, even though river horses is obviously not the answer.
3: Cattle. Kate? Dave is correct. Yep. Wow. Really? It was thought that they were most closely related to pigs and peccaries, but it's now believed that they are most closely related to whales and dolphins.
1: If you had had pigs in there, I would have guessed. I was just kind of thinking the wolf's Mm (laughs) path.
3: Yeah. All right. Question three. Hippo fun facts. Which one (laughs) is false? A. Hippos have a top speed on land of 15 kilometers per hour. B. Hippos can hear above water through their ears and aquatic sounds through their jawbones. C. Hippos can store two days worth of food in their stomachs for later digestion. And D. Hippos are almost entirely hairless except for a small amount around the mouth and on their tails. Ashlyn.
0: I think the hairless thing is true. The underwater sound thing makes sense. What are the other two?
3: Hippos have a top speed on land of 15 kilometers per hour, uh, and hippos can store two days' worth of food in their stomachs for later digestion.
0: Okay, I think they're actually faster. I'm gonna go with A. Kate?
1: Uh, I was going to say the exact same so Gem? thing. So, Jem?
4: Yep.
3: Kate? Lauren? Also A. Dave? Hmm.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I don't like going with the crowd. <laughs> but it does me so wrong when I just don't. Um, I'm gonna say the
1: food things. I'm sure they can store more food than that. that B is definitely true. <laughs>
3: Okay, so um, Dave, unfortunately, <laughs> you should have gone with the bloat around here. They are faster. It's actually about 30 kilometers per hour over short distances. It's terrifying. Though they can charge, but they can't run for miles like that. And that's part of why like that. So deadly, right? Part of that.
2: <laughs> also because their teeth are so big, and yeah. every bite is probably going to be fatal.
3: And, and partly because they are six thousand <laughs> pounds when
0: that runs at you it's very scary and deadly
3: exactly exactly okay
1: so we're all tied up
3: yes question four hippos can hold their breath underwater for up to a three minutes b five minutes c 10 minutes or d 15 minutes gem
1: 10 minutes
3: kate lauren 15 dave 15 and ashlyn 10 it's actually only five oh <laughs> yeah some sources will say a little bit longer but the best consensus i could find was five minutes Was like
1: barely more than a human
0: yeah like if you had an hour on there i would have gone something around there i've been
1: sleeping in 30 so okay I don't
0: know.
1: Yeah. yep well like how long can a cetacean hold its breath a long time yeah
0: like hours yeah
1: they don't really need to yeah yeah you know they're, they're, they're not river animals. there, yeah.
3: yeah yeah but whales not so much right <laughs> <laughs> Okay, question five. What is not true about hippo teeth? A.
1: They are not made of deuterium. Damn it.
3: <laughs> damn, you spoiled my question. <laughs> no. A. They are made of ivory. B. The incisors grow continuously. C. The tusks or incisors are mainly used as weapons in self-defense. Or D. Despite a mainly herbivorous diet, their molars do not resemble molars of other large herbivores. Back to Lauren. A. Okay. Dave. Uh, Molars. Okay. Ashlyn. I'm
0: wondering if maybe the tusks have some other function. So I'm going to go with that one. Okay. For like
2: spearing vegetation. (laughs) (laughs) And Jem.
1: Yeah, I'm going to agree with Ashlyn again.
3: Okay. Dave gets it. (laughs) Yeah. Their molars are just molars. That's not true. But yeah, their tusks or incisors are made of ivory, just like elephant, mammoth, walrus, all of that. They do grow continuously. They are made of ivory. And they are mainly used in self-defense. That's their main, main weapon. Question six. Hippos are considered semi-aquatic or amphibious animals, with only one of the following not regularly occurring in the water. A, eating, B, mating, C, birthing, and D, sleeping. So Dave. So which one does not regularly occur in the water? Sleeping. Okay, Ashlyn?
0: Ashlyn? I don't know how typical this is, but there's a video on Facebook right now of that little baby Fiona being born, and it definitely occurred on land, so I'm going to say birthing. Okay.
1: Jem? It's interesting. Hmm. But it was
0: also like in a zoo enclosure, so how typical is that? Yeah. Of the species of?
1: <laughs> seems like seems like sleeping in water would be like a very bad idea, but you know, like they're wallowing in the shallows or whatever. I'm going to say mating, because that never turns out as good as anybody's expecting, right? <laughs> I feel like the weightlessness could
2: help them, though. <laughs> no, okay,
1: and Lauren. Jim stepped on
2: my joke yet again. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have been at least once a show. So mating.
3: Okay. And I win this one. Eating (laughs) is the only thing that they don't do in the water. They eat grasses around bodies of water and rivers and that. They eat like kelp and stuff? Nope. Nope. They eat dry grasses on land. And they typically eat at night, and so they will leave, they spend all day in the water. Once it gets cooler and the sun goes down, then they leave the water and they'll go up to 10 kilometers or even farther to find they, to they find enough grass.
2: And that's when they do their ballet practice?
3: <laughs> Apparently, yes. So, like, I feel lied to by every
1: cartoon that I've ever seen, because you always see them like lifting their head out of the water and they've got like kelp or whatever on either side dangling from there. But jaw. that could
3: just be from the fact that they were in water and water moves and things like that. Mating occurs almost entirely in the water, and like you said, the buoyancy is part of what helps it there. That makes sense. Yep. And birthing can occur on land or in water, but it's very common for it to be in the water yeah. as well. And same thing for sleeping will occur as well. Hippos are highly adapted to an aquatic life. So which one of the following is not true about their adaptations? A. They are too dense to float and can walk fully submerged underwater. B. They do not sweat due to the amount of time spent in water. C. Their webbed feet allow them to swim through the deeper parts of rivers and watering holes. Or D. They have an automatic reflex while sleeping to bob their heads out of the water. So which is not true? Okay, Ashlyn, go ahead. They,
0: like almost definitely do not have webbed feet. I am pretty sure that that is not true. Don't they have like elephanty feet? Okay, I'm going with that one.
3: Okay, you're going with C? Sure, if that
1: was C. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say that they probably have webbed feet. I mean, like, I would imagine them with elephanty feet, but, you know, if they're evolutionarily close to uh, Hippocetus, you're going to see some webbing. I think, what was the first one again? They are too
3: dense to float and can walk yeah. fully submerged underwater. Too dense to float?
1: I don't know. That seems implausible to me. That's true, yeah. You can be too dense to float, but still be, like, buoyant. You're still going to be a lot. I'm going to go with A. Okay. Lauren? Starting to be convinced by Ashlyn's reason.
2: I know that they sweat pink, so they do sweat.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They're like Klingons in that way.
2: (laughs) They wouldn't be able to walk 10 kilometers
3: without sweating in Africa. The webbed feet thing. Okay. And Dave?
4: I'm going to go A, the dense thing.
3: Okay. So Lauren and Ashlyn both got it correct, but kind of, well, at least Ashlyn for the wrong reason. reason? (laughs) (laughs) They do have webbed feet, but they can't swim. They cannot swim. Yeah. They can, in fact, walk fully submerged underwater. So they
1: they do have webbed feet?
3: They do have webbed feet, but they cannot swim. Oh! That was part of the question. Oh. I said their webbed feet allow them to swim through the deeper parts of rivers and watering holes. They cannot Mm. swim. (laughs) So... Because web- that
1: one and the density one would then be contradictory.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they are too dense to float and they can walk fully submerged underwater. So if things do get deep, they kind of bounce off the bottom and kind of bounce along until they can get to a water <laughs> into, until a level where they can just walk.
2: That's I've seen that. I've seen that on a video and it's yeah. awesome.
3: Yeah. Yeah because hippos are great. They are so (laughs) awesome. I love them so, like doing this quiz, it just made me love them more and more. (laughs) Yeah, and they actually don't sweat. So you're correct. They do secrete like a reddish fluid, but it's not sweat. It is a, um, their best guess is it is a sunscreen. It blocks ultraviolet rays because their skins, they don't sweat because they spend so much time in water to help regulate their temperature. When they come out, their skin dries out so fast. So the sunscreen both protects it from the sun and like moistens it but not in like a sweat way it's like a, a hand lotion way
4: that's well, wild. wouldn't
1: that make that one the false one then
3: no because all I said is that they don't sweat due to the amount of time they're spending
1: water that's true Lauren oh, was saying about right, the red right, right, right. stuff,
3: and the red stuff is not sweat. It that is something different. So I didn't talk about the red stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you said they don't sweat. I was a wordsmith. <laughs>
3: yeah, no no, 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 that's fine. I just,
1: for some reason, that one passed me by because I would have actually chosen that one because I was positive that they did sweat. Okay. But that one was still... Interesting incorrect yeah yeah Uh, Yeah, uh, i just just would have got a different one (laughs) wrong
3: so now you know there you go okay question eight due to the action of humans hippo territory is shrinking which item on the following list is not true of historical hippo ranges a hippo species migrated into europe and britannica with several distinct species throughout the mediterranean region b Hippos were integral parts of freshwater ecosystems with the massive amounts of dung serving as fertilizer and food for the aquatic species. C, originally widespread through sub-Saharan Africa, hippos are now primarily located in the western parts of Africa. And D, the three species of hippos existed on Madagascar until approximately 1,000 years ago, near the arrival of humans. So, Gem, which one is not true?
1: I'm going to go with the Madagascar one. That seems Madagascar is pretty big, though. Madagascar is pretty big. Probably support three distinct populations.
3: Is that your final answer? Sure. Okay. Lauren? C. Okay. Dave?
4: I think Mediterranean uh, hippos is, is too far-fetched.
3: Too far-fetched. Okay. And Ashlyn?
0: I'm actually really torn between the Mediterranean hippos and the Madagascar hippos. Mm-hmm. But like Africa's kind of right attached to the Mediterranean area. hmm Madagascar is an island that is like known for having really weird kinds of stuff.
1: It was separated a long time ago. Right? I don't know if they could bounce all the way across that uh, <laughs> <that's
0: very laughs> I'm going to go with Madagascar.
1: Okay,
3: Lauren takes it. <sighs> yep. Well, there are hippos in Western Africa, which we'll hear about. Mm-hmm. Most hippos are not in Western Africa. They are spread throughout the sub-Saharan but largely in the eastern part of Africa. Mm-hmm eastern and central parts. The there. least
0: suspicious one yeah. turns out to be true.
3: So hippos were there were many species of hippos throughout Europe and yeah. even on the British Isles all throughout the Mediterranean around the time of the end of the last ice age because there was a lot of water around mm-hmm. and hippos mm-hmm. like rivers and and slow moving water and so they just migrated up there. Yeah, That's so cool. Yeah. Exactly. I read that. I'm like, that is amazing. I wish there were still hippos. (laughs) Um, They don't think hippos themselves crossed over to the Americas, but potentially some of their ancestors did from fossils and that, which is pretty cool. And yep, three distinct species of hippos on Madagascar until about a thousand years ago. One of them was a pygmy hippo, wasn't it? So the pygmy hippo still exists. That's what I'm going to talk about next. (laughs) So if you wanted to know, the, the type of hippo that you find in Western Africa is the pygmy hippo, which is a smaller hippo, and they're even better.
1: <laughs> there, there's still no house hippo.
3: I was thinking of making a question about house hippos, but I, I couldn't come up with something. But nothing will ever be what a house is hippo. preferred food, Laura?
4: The favorite foods of the house hippo are chips, raisins, and the crumbs from peanut butter on toast.
3: Oh, man, who didn't want a house hippo? Everyone. Everyone did. Okay, back to my quiz. Speaking of pygmy hippos, the, the smaller species of hippo that exists today, which is not true of pygmy hippos? A, they were unknown to Europeans until 1840. B, unlike their larger cousins, they are mainly omnivorous. C, they are amphibious but spend more time on dry land than the other hippos. Or D, they are solitary and mainly silent creatures.
1: Lauren, I
3: think we're going to
4: start with you. We'll
3: go with B. Okay, Dave. I'm going to go with C. Ashlyn.
0: The omnivorous
3: one. And Jem.
1: I'm going to go with D.
3: Okay. So Ashlyn and Lauren, get it. Yeah, they are even more herbivorous than regular hippos are. We as Europeans didn't even know they existed until 1840. We still don't know a whole lot about them because they are nocturnal and silent.
1: (laughs) Speaking for myself, I didn't know they existed until...
3: (laughs) Just now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and last question. True or false? There is a small population of invasive hippos that live in Colombia, Dave. True.
0: Invasive hippos that live in Colombia? Yes. Colombia, like South America, Colombia? Correct. It's like the right environment, sure. Somebody
3: had a pet and let it go, yeah, true. Okay.
1: That was definitely a zoo. It's true.
3: Okay. <laughs> true. You guys are correct. I just had to bring this in here. Do you want to know why they're invasive hippos in yeah. Colombia?
1: I'm pretty sure it's a zoo. Is it a zoo?
3: Well, close. So after Pablo Escobar died, oh, he had yeah. a menagerie, and the government did seize all of the animals except the hippos because they were too big to deal with, so they just left <laughs> them there. There were four of them, and they said, whatever. And they multiplied to about they estimate between 40 and 60 animals roaming around okay. Colombia so now. There's
0: still like hundreds of them that are growing No, everything.
3: But they are also 40 to 60 several thousand pound creatures oh, that are, are just ploughing through stuff there. And so they are invasive, they are they do pose a risk to humans, they're disrupting the ecosystem and stuff. So, so yes, there are invasive hippos in the world somewhere. <laughs> Hello, Escobar. How'd we do, Laura? Okay. Lauren got five, Dave had three, Ashlyn got four, and Jem got two. two. <laughs> I beat
1: Jem, yay! Yay! Uh, you right. always beat me. I'm terrible at this game.
3: <laughs> well done, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Feel that you should all do excellent on this quiz because you all have definitely heard all of the material already. Because oh I no! Yes! No! <laughs> quiz about all of my segments from the past year. <laughs> I don't pay attention. This is not fair. I feel somewhat um, prepared for this. Dave has at least listened to all of our shows, so he's on even ground here. So let's see what
2: happens.
1: Yeah, Laura's the only one who doesn't edit. I forget a show as soon as I'm done with it.
3: Oh, gosh, it's like yes. a priming
1: for an exam. Yeah. Oh,
3: totally. I'll be like, huh, I should go learn about this thing. And then I look back, oh, I did a podcast episode
2: about this a while ago. Oops. My segment was about that.
0: <laughs> all right, so most of of them are multiple choice, but a couple of them I don't want you like stealing each other's answers So they're just like you'll write them down and then let me know. Okay, number one. What is the approximate value of a human life to a cigarette manufacturer? So how much profit do they make per death caused by cigarettes? Is it A $100,000, B $25,000, C $10,000, or D $5,000? Start with
1: Jim. I believe it's C, ten thousand dollars. Twenty-five does seem a little high. Okay, I'm
3: gonna go with C too. Ten thousand. Ten thousand.
1: Ten thousand.
0: <laughs> you are all correct. <laughs> Yay! Each human life is worth ten grand to a cigarette manufacturer, so everybody gets a point. The passage from the original podcast reads. We can also think about this in terms of the value of a life as assumed by tobacco manufacturers. Cigarette companies make about a penny in profit for every cigarette sold or about $10,000 for every million cigarettes purchased. Since there is one death for every million cigarettes sold or smoked, a tobacco manufacturer will make about $10,000 US for every death caused by their products. Number 2. Which of these countries participated in the Parade of Nations under its own flag in 2018? Was it A, Russia, B, North Korea, C, Vatican City, or D, none of the above? Laura?
2: None of the above. Vatican City.
1: None of the above. I feel like I would, I would remember Vatican City having an Olympic team this past year, but I also feel like it should be Vatican City. But for the other ones, why wouldn't they? And North Korea? Hell, let's say Vatican City. So it was none of the above. Hmm. Yay. Laura and Dave got the point. Some oiled up priests (laughs) doing calisthenics or
0: something. Russian (laughs) athletes participated as Olympic athletes from Russia because of the ban. Uh, North Korean athletes processed in under the Korean unification flag. So both North Korea and South Korea processed in together. And they also had a joint ice hockey team. Cool. Pretty cool. And Vatican City is the only UN-recognized country that does not participate in the Olympics at all. Can't
2: really see the Swiss Guard. (laughs)
0: <laughs> a lot of people what? who actually live there okay so this is one where i would like you all to record your answer and okay. then let me know what does the vita stick claim it can measure and for a bonus point what does it actually measure Sorry, Jim, whatever
1: it claims to measure health <laughs> <laughs> uh, and actually measures skin conductance i'm sure
3: okay the number might be wrong, but it claims to measure your vitamin and mineral levels. I said I came up with 27 for some reason, okay. mm-hmm. but a lot of them. And the true answer is nothing um,
2: <laughs> or the electrical conductance of your skin. <laughs> I wrote down that it claims to measure the healthfulness of food and it measures nothing. Okay.
4: Uh, I said the level of nutrients in the blood and it measures blood type.
3: Okay.
0: So it actually measures vitamins and minerals. I didn't even write down how many. I don't care.
3: Uh, I feel like it was an absurd <laughs> it number. It was a lot. Oh,
0: yeah, I actually almost think it was like 30-something.
1: Could be. It was a lot. So it claims to measure vitamins claims and minerals. claims to measure yeah.
0: vitamins and minerals, and it actually measures
1: skin conductivity.
0: Uh, so that's one point for Jem, two points for Laura. And nothing for you guys? <laughs>
2: yeah. I said nothing, so yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. During his life, which of the following did P.T. Barnum found? A, a child care facility, B, a hospital, C, a retirement home, or D, none of
1: the above.
2: Lauren. A retirement
3: home.
1: None of the above. A hospital.
3: I'm also going to say hospital.
2: It was a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking he did a retirement home for, like, circus performers. No, not as far as I could tell. <laughs> Where did
0: I hear about that then? I hope he didn't, because that would make my quiz no. <laughs> <laughs> It
2: No, it wouldn't have been him. It would have been somebody else. Brothers, maybe. In our episode
0: on the replication crisis, I talked about the backfire effect. When people with opposing belief systems are presented with evidence for one side of an argument, what does parallel updating mean? So what occurs when parallel updating happens? A, the evidence will convince the person whose beliefs it aligns with, but push the other person further from the truth. B, the evidence will convince the person whose beliefs it aligns with, but the other person will remain, like, static. Or C, that both people's opinions will become closer to the truth. Dave.
4: Can you say that one more
1: time? Yeah.
0: Do you want the whole question or just the answers? Just the answers. The evidence will convince the person whose beliefs it aligns with, but push the other person further from the truth. Yeah, that one. Okay.
1: Uh, I'm also going to go with A.
0: Okay.
3: Yeah. Me too. A. A. Okay. Everybody's wrong. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, so it's actually that both people's opinions will become closer to the truth, mm. so we found that unlike the backfire effect, which means that it will like basically boomerang and cause you to believe things that are more false, what actually happens most of the time when people are presented with evidence is that they will sort of inch their way closer to the actual truth the more evidence is given. Mm-hmm. Just called parallel updating.
1: Yay. That's not how parallel lines work, but okay, fine.
2: <laughs> I was thinking for every yeah. action, there's an equal and opposite I did reaction. not name it. It, seems, mm-hmm. it seems,
1: like, seems like those lines are moving toward an intersection. <laughs> Which of these
0: sodas did not start as a patent medicine? A, 7-Up. B, Moxie.
2: C, Mountain Dew. Or D, Ginger Ale. Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew did start as a liquor. I don't remember anything about Moxie, so I'm going to go with Mountain Dew.
4: I'm going with Moxie. Mountain
1: Dew.
0: Mountain Dew is correct. Yeah. Uh, mountain Dew
2: actually started as a mixer, not a liquor. They
0: made it specifically to mix with liquor. That sounds so gross. <laughs> <laughs> well, what were they?
2: 14? Like sours? Yeah.
0: It was. They were actually designed to go with whiskey.
2: The term Mountain Dew is a euphemism for home distilled for liquor. moonshine. Yeah. Yeah. That I makes sense. So that's a point for everybody but Dave. Number seven.
0: Which of these was not a feature of the Sensorama? Was it A. Aroma, B. Wind, C. Vibration, or D. Puffs of dust?
2: Lauren, Aroma,
1: Vibration, Puffs of dust.
3: I do not remember this thing. <laughs> it
1: was in my virtual reality. Yeah, it segment. was the fr- early early VR simulated a motorcycle ride.
3: There
0: was actually five different yes. films. Oh really? All right, oh,
3: okay.
1: <laughs> Aroma.
0: Okay. Puffs of dust is correct.
3: Jen,
1: yeah. That's the
0: point. It did have aromas, which probably were not very good. I, re- I remember <laughs>
1: specifically like something about it like smelling like grease or oil or something.
0: Yeah. I don't, I'm not even sure whether yeah. we were just guessing at that.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I but I remember us talking about it. Okay. Yeah. When Seven. you
0: read them again, I'm like, oh no,
2: I want to change my <laughs> answer. But...
0: <laughs> yeah. Here's another one where we're going to write down our answers. What is the Wikipedia rule designed to avert edit wars? What is the rule called? Or you can describe the rule.
2: We got head shakes from <laughs> Laura and Dave. <laughs> uh, Lauren, what do you think the answer is? The rule of three. The rule of three edits.
0: Close. Jem, what did you put?
1: The three revert rule.
0: That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot make more than three reverts on a single page, whether or not it is the same revert in a 24-hour period. And if you make a fourth one just outside of that 24-hour period, you're probably also going to get blocked. So it's designed to avert edit wars, which are very funny. <laughs> you're going to give me Lauren that point? get a point? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's close. Yeah. Yep. It's your back looks to the judges. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine. Goal gradient theory explains some of why humans choose the strategies they do to pay off debt. So this is during my uh, Christmas, mm-hmm.
1: debt Christmas debt yeah.
0: segment. What is goal gradient theory? A. People tend to work harder to achieve a goal as they get closer to reaching it. B. People tend to lose interest in their goals the longer they take. C. People tend to want to pay off their largest debts first, or D, people tend to want to pay off the debt with the largest interest first. Uh, Dave? The largest debt first. Okay. B.
2: Yeah, B. Okay. Yeah, I'm waffling between A and B, but I'm going to go with the crowd. B. B. A is correct. Oh. <laughs> I was also
1: waffling so, between A and
2: B.
0: Goal gradient is the reason why humans tend to pay off their smallest debts mm-hmm. first because yeah. they get excited to be able to actually finish something. Yeah. So the closer you are to completing a goal, the more likely you are to put more effort and time into finishing the thing. It's why like people get a burst of energy at the end of a race. Yeah,
3: Stuff like that. That I was sense. looking for that one, but I wasn't getting it in that wording. Oh. And yeah. so I was yeah. just like... Mm, this sounds like the closest the next closest thing i I knew it was
1: paying off the 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 the, smallest at first first, but Yeah, yeah
3: definitely
0: and the final question what is a gorse batch remedy prescribed for in animals
1: so from my
0: just recent segment on flower remedies
1: so not in in humans
0: right what is this prescribed for in animals a, sleeps too much or doesn't sleep enough. B, lethargy or lack of enthusiasm to go anywhere, but gets interested in it when they get there. C, easing periods of change. Or D, extreme hopeless despair. <laughs> uh,
3: Laura? I feel like this is an unfair question because all of these are listed on the bottle. They were,
0: they were all mentioned for various remedies. What, which <laughs> one is gorse prescribed for? God. <laughs>
3: I'm gonna go with despair okay. because despair in animals is funny.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I it that way, it's we're late. <laughs> the new surroundings, one. The new experience. Easing periods of change. Yeah. Okay. Lethargy. Okay. What
1: was the first one
0: sleeps too much or doesn't sleep enough? I know that was for one of the pets.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that one.
0: It was extreme hopeless yeah. despair. You picked the
1: funny one. Okay. That was the funniest
0: yeah. one. <laughs> so, Jem, how did our
1: contestants do? Well, uh, Laura won with seven points. Ooh. I'm uh, just behind with six. Then Lauren with three, and Dave with two.
0: Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> Dave doesn't listen to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, nice so uh, Lauren's quiz. We're going to convert these sixes to fives because uh, hers is not out of 10, but we need to take Dave's score and ax it by 20% uh, because oh. he got to answer yeah. every, every quiz. So, it's not going to make it much better.
0: <laughs> we can't just take off his
2: lowest score. <laughs> yeah.
1: Lauren has 11 points, Ashlyn has 12 points, Jim has 13 points, Laura is our winner with 14 points and Dave has 12 points, but actually 9.6. <laughs>
0: We're the quizmaster yeah! this round. And... So, what are we talking about next month, Jim?
1: We're going to be talking about rare diseases, which is the Topic that Ashlyn picked for the following episode, but I'm just going to steal it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Should be a good show. We'll see you then. Good night, everyone. Good
1: Good night. Good night. Life, the Universe, and Everything Else is produced by Jem Newman and Ashlyn Noble, with mix and tech production by Jem Newman. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is with a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, or by sharing an episode with a friend. Original music is produced by Ian James, and this episode was edited by Lauren Bailey. Life.
4: Don't talk to me about life.
1: Original music is produced by Ian James, and this episode was edited by Ashlyn Noble. And this episode was edited by Jem Newman. And this episode was edited by Lauren Bailey. And this episode was edited by Laura Creek Newman. Just in case.
0: Seems unlikely. Hey, shut up! You saw the face I made when he said my name.
1: (laughs) You edited once or twice, right?
0: Didn't you edit for a while, actually? I used to do it regularly, but I hated it, and the show would not have continued
2: if I had to do it regularly. (laughs) Is this,
3: you can track your own if you want. Return, to. Yeah,
1: I've.
2: Okay. Return of the quiz show show, son of the return of the quiz show show.
3: I was just going to call it quiz show show
0: 2019. <laughs> <laughs> what
2: do you want me to call it? The
4: quiz
0: showiest. Quiz showiest? What if we make a more showiest quiz show in the future?
4: It's the quiz showiest. <laughs> the
3: quiz showiestest? I <laughs> feel yeah,
4: like
1: this is an unsustainable pattern. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Can't we just call it Night of the Living Quiz Show and be done with (laughs) (laughs) this?
0: So what are we talking about next month, Jem? Oh, shit.
4: It's nighttime in a kitchen just like yours. All is quiet. Or is it? The North American house hippo is found throughout Canada and the eastern United States. House hippos are very timid creatures and are rarely seen but they would defend their territory if provoked. They come out at night to search for food, water, and materials for their nests. The favorite foods of the house hippo are chips, raisins, and the crumbs from peanut butter on toast. They build their nests in bedroom closets using lost mittens, dryer lint, and bits of string. The nests have to be very soft and warm. House hippos sleep about 16 hours a day.
0: Cool.